0: Okay. Hey, well, uh, we're all here for Fiction Old and New. Today is October 14th, 2014, and we're here to discuss uh, Charles Belfour's, uh first novel, his debut novel called The Paris Architect. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about the author, and then we'll get started with the discussion. Uh, Charles Belfort grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, has lived in New York City and Connecticut, and now resides in Westminster, Maryland. He works as an architect and a historic preservation consultant. He has degrees from Pratt Institute and Columbia University. He's written or co-authored several books on architecture, including The Baltimore Row House and Monuments to Money, the Architecture of American Banks. He's also written for The Baltimore Sun and The New York Times, and he has a blog, thewickedarchitect.com. The Paris Architect is his first novel, and from an October 2013 interview with USA Today, he indicated that he's working on a book set in the 1880s in New York City about a society architect who becomes a criminal. So why don't we go around and see what everybody thought of the book, and one thing that I wondered was did you think that the author did a good job of um, showing us what it was like to be living in France under the German occupation, um, you know, in the early 1940s, and I'm going to release the um, the microphone now.
1: I'll only start. I love the book, and I think he did, but I want to tell you. Maybe I'm the last one to notice this, but I was reading the NLS explanation, and they say the man that saved. Everybody, the wonderful old man was was Jewish. I don't care what he is, but he was really Christian. Why, and Ellis just dropped the ball there?
2: I really love this book too, and I think he did an excellent job of portraying what life was like um, in France back then. You, he just put you there. At least for me, I felt like. I was on the run from the Germans and constantly looking over my shoulder to see who was coming next. And just, he did such a great job. It, you, I literally felt like I was there. It was a wonderful book. In fact, I've been recommending it to people who I know like that genre and that time period.
3: Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it too. uh, uh. And, and I thought he did a good job of of capturing what it must have been like in in France during that time period uh I've read a number of of of, of these holocaust type books and stuff. It never gets any easier reading them. i, I mean I'm always horrified and, and I have a hard time i think even to this day uh, with the German people because of all all the stuff that went on during then but uh uh yeah, but uh the, this was this was very well done, and I liked uh, I like a book with a good ending and stuff. So that that was nice. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it.
4: I really liked the book too, for all the reasons that we said, and and what Alan just said. It was nice having a good ending. wasn't it that that was believable? You know, sometimes they're, they're so tight at the end, and you just feel almost a letdown. But this one was so hopeful and and so where these people could could get together, and they weren't Jewish, and they had these Jewish children with them, I thought that was just the perfect ending.
5: Hello, uh, I like the book also, and with the man's comment just now about not liking the German people, I read these kind of books quite frequently, and I've tried to put myself back in there and wonder what I would do if... The police would come and break down your door and take you out and take your family, and they would never see you again. How would you behave? I wondered, how would I behave under that situation? And I'm not sure that I like the answer because I follow the laws, whatever the laws are, so much, and it's so much, could I I face that kind of torture and that kind of risk to my family to do what they were doing in the book?
6: I love this book uh, on a lot of levels. It was a great story, well told, uh, good characters, uh, kept me just wanting to know what was going to happen. But it was also just raised so many ethical, moral questions about uh, just the way his his views changed and how it was he started out as kind of a, a almost a game he was playing until he realized what what was really at stake. And this raised a lot of issues about what you would do in, in a situation. Uh, would you collaborate? Would you betray others to save yourself? Would you, would you hide people? What would you do? And I, I think it's one of the best books I've read this year.
0: Well, I, I read this book a little while ago, and the thing that I found the most interesting to me was – trying to determine why a Christian person would help a Jewish person in this place and time. And there were, you know, a couple of different alternatives given in the story. Um, we had Manet, who had been raised by a Jewish nanny, and so... He, you know, he felt that he was helping his nanny in a way when he helped, you know, save another Jewish person. And then there was the zookeeper who helped the pregnant woman uh, Juliet, whose husband Christian husband left her. Um, and he was just a good person. And then there were people who would help people for money. And that was, I guess. Uh, Sort of an interesting question, because I said to myself, If I had to pay somebody to to hide me or hide my family, how much could you really trust that person? But I think the author did a good job of of showing how scary it was how if they found a, a Jewish person in the building, that they would take people out and just shoot them you know everybody that lived on the floor, everybody that lived in the building and it's, um, it, it's a tough question. It really is. I mean, that's that's the question that I always wonder is why would somebody risk their life? You know, what kind of person would really do that? I, I think it's easier sometimes to imagine saving a child than saving an adult. I think we all, you know, could look at, uh, you know, a young child and say, of course we would want to save that child. But saving an adult is, is, is another story. So um, that was, for me, what was... The most—I um, don't want to use the word interesting—but the most had the most resonance for me was was those questions that he raised in in this story.
7: I really like the book. Uh, 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 I kind of wondered uh, the status, whether they, this must have been before the final solution came in, because I, apparently there were still people Jews who didn't have art collections or money were free to get around. I wasn't quite sure about that, but I thought it was very well done and uh, really, really liked uh, reading the uh, story.
5: Yes, I like this. He built the tension page by page, as you read, and the protagonist, the architect, I forget his name, I don't think that he was really anti-Jewish, our pro jewish I don't think he thought about it. At his home, whenever he heard anyone talk about a Jew, it was that damn Jew. And I think it, he just—that uh, was just what he heard. And he hadn't even ever really given it a thought, one way or another. There were Jews there, yeah. There were Christians there, yeah. And and he heard that stuff, but he didn't. He really wasn't anti-Semitic at heart, when, though he didn't even know that.
8: Yeah, I agree with Ladon. I thought Lucien was kind of indifferent to Jews and that he really did the hiding place for the intellectual challenge, plus he wanted the contract for the factory. And I was wondering if people liked Lucien, because I can't say I ever grew to like him, although I think he became a better person at the end, thanks to having the child Pierre in his care. I think he really did start to you know, think about what he was doing and that this was real. It wasn't just a game.
6: Michelle, may I turn your question on, on its head? Because you ask, and it's a good question, why would a Christian save Jews? And I say, if you really are a Christian in the real sense of the word, why wouldn't you?
1: Oh, I agree there, John. Um, I, I did not like Lucien at first. I, I, I think in the book the book shows his maturation. You know, he takes Pierre in. Pierre's wonderful. All the suffering he'd gone through. And I think by the end, yes, he he finally got his head together and realized what a great thing Monet was doing uh, and so on. I was amazed with the stoicism of the people. They lined them up to shoot them. Most of them just stared right at the soldiers and they shot them. Um... <laughs> Don and I can remember a gentleman we used to know who'd, who'd shout from the top the hilltops, I'll destroy you. Well, you hear it enough times, you know, and uh, it doesn't mean as much. She says, Well, maybe you will, but I'm going to fight for what I believe in.
4: When I wonder about books like this, and as someone else said, I'm sure we've all read a number of them, and that was the only criticism I had about this book, you know. It was one more book telling us about the terrible cruelties, just, just out of their way to be cruel. Um, I didn't need that anymore. You know, I, I can't help it. It's, it's gone, it's done, and it does kind of limit how much of these things you want to leave but, read. But, you know, I think about why did the United States, including Franklin Roosevelt, do really nothing to help the Jews? And and the rest of the people didn't even know what was going on, but they did, and they didn't do anything. And that's always bothered me.
5: Yes, I wanted to uh, speak to John's comment about if you really were a Christian, then you really would have helped those people back then. But sometimes it's really difficult to really be a Christian. Think back to the Christians who stood up to lions in the arena there are a few of them. Mostly they gave up. And I do enjoy these kind of books. They they raise in me the thought to wonder what would I have done? And I don't I don't tire of them. And I can't say it's in the past and it's forgot. Well, if we forget it, it could happen again.
1: Yeah, Ladon, I never want to forget it. Absolutely not. I never will. Uh, and i don't hate all germans for it i think that's that's too big of a label uh but uh, the french hated the jews too you know the jewish banker the loan shark or whatever the loan guy you know giving loans and the prosperity uh and uh no i i don't even think it's it's uh it, i can't make a judgment i can't say you're a christian you got to step up and save all the jews or you're a jew and we're in trouble you got to save us it it comes from within you what you're gonna? I don't know what I do, you know. Uh, many people were indifferent. If I stay away, Hitler won't find me. If I stay in the shadows and be quiet, well, they do ultimately find you. And uh, that's what uh, just said, well, you know, I'll do this once, and then I'll fade away. And then, uh, Monet kept coming back to him and 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 so forth so i, I don't think to label let's say, a, a good Christian should save all the Jews or a good Jews should save all the christians no people it's that's too easy that people are people, some for whatever reason they have to live with their own consciences um one more point I'm trying to remember what uh something else, Joe about it, but I have forgotten it it was a good point yeah it, the, you know we we read these books that are that are violent, we say, oh, not another one. But I think we learned a great, there was great heroism on all sides of this thing.
0: Well, um, to go back to what Sherry was saying about whether I liked Lucienne, I I felt the the same way that Sherry did. I never warmed up to him. Um, And I think what it was for me with him was I... I always felt like he needed certain circumstances in order to do the right thing. Like with Pierre, I thought Pierre was a really good kid. Um, I know that he shot the, the officer, but, I mean, he was basically a good kid. He liked architecture. And then Lucien fell in love with Bette, who I guess a minor quibble that I had with this with this book was the way that women were portrayed. I mean, they were just... You know, every woman was, like, so beautiful and, and you know, just, I don't know, it was they were just a little bit too glamorous, a little bit too much for this story. So I I think what I liked best about him was what Sherry mentions. I liked his intellectual, the way that he looked at things intellectually. I think that one of the things that I thought was, was realistic was, the way that he had sort of conflicting feelings about what he was doing he he was very frightened you know to create these hiding places under the staircase and the other places but on the other hand he took a lot of pride in in what he was in the type of work that he was doing and that really seemed realistic to me um that he would but I didn't particularly like him at all even at the end of the story I mean I didn't dislike him but I just never really grew to to care about him um and so you know I I don't know he was I, I think like we're all talking about it was sort of the issues that and everything and I have to just say to respond to what John is saying I would love to think that everybody in the world is is like that and everybody has has goodness in their heart but as a Jewish person I have to say to me. To think of somebody who would risk their life to save another Jewish person in this place and time—I um, know that they give awards in Israel to people that have have done that—and it's really—it's astonishing to me to think, you know, because the way that people could be sent off to a concentration camp or murdered or tortured—I um, can't imagine that many people would have that type of courage. So I really applaud anybody who would take that risk and really help somebody, you know, regardless of whatever their motivation is, even if their motivation might be monetary, um, because it's really, it's overwhelming, for, you know, for me to think about th- this place and time, and I can't imagine somebody risking their life to save me, you know, had I lived then. So I, I like to think that the world is composed of people that would take that risk, but I don't particularly think that there are that many people that that really
8: would. Well, luckily, we are blessed to have a number of people that are incredibly courageous. But, yeah, I I certainly don't think they're probably in the majority. It's just too difficult. I agree with what Jill said. Every time I read a Holocaust book or a book about the American South during slavery, it's like, okay, this is going to be really unpleasant. There's going to be torture. There's going to be whipping. There's going to be rape. You know, you just... You know it's going to be in there in every book. And I'm, I'm kind of like Jill. It's like, okay, I already know that this violence happened. I'm interested in the story aside from that. And I found after the second torture scene in this book, almost every time Schlegel or Schlegel or whatever his name was came on the scene with somebody, I just would fast forward to the next chapter and skip that scene because you just knew what was coming. First, I would like to say that I think all you women are, oh,
5: so beautiful. And I also would like to say that uh, for people who think that they do not like these kind of books because of the terror that's in them and the violence, how many, I wonder, murder mysteries are read? When I look on the BARD site, the most popular books are always these murder mysteries, and I can't take them. Now, for the book... I thought that Lucian was so proud of his hiding places he was made. And when he did the one in the stairs, that was so great. It made him feel so good. But then when he made the hiding place behind the fireplace and the people just were killed back there due to the fumes and stuff, then he felt so awful, and I felt those pains with him.
1: Yeah, well, he... I can understand that, that he would feel awful because he should have had an air hole. He did, but the birds made a nest in it, and he should have put a screen. But, yeah, that that made—that was really bad. I thought the worst one was the carpenter when they cut his fingers off, a, a craftsman, a skilled craft. He had nothing to do with the hiding places. He didn't know. He's a master carpenter. And uh, <laughs> maybe I'll line up with Jill there. I said, oh, my God.
6: I was thinking, and, and certainly it, it's what, what, what he did and others, it's certainly not an easy thing to do. I was reminded of a quote that I like today. I'm reading uh, I Am Malala, which is about is, – am I on? I think. I've been reading I Am Malala, uh, which is also a story about a lot of violence and darkness She brought up a quote that I have heard a long time ago that always kind of affected me, and I'm going to paraphrase it because they don't have it exactly, but it was uh, written by a philosopher during World War II. He said something like this, First they came for the communists, and I didn't say anything because I'm not a communist. Then they came for the Jews, but I didn't say anything because I'm not a Jew. Then they came for the Catholics. I didn't say anything because I'm not a Catholic.
2: Then they came for me.
6: And there was no one left to speak for me.
2: I like that. Um, I didn't really care for Lucien in the beginning, but I sort of warmed up to him, and later, and especially in the end when he did what he did. And um, oh, I was going to say something else, and it just... Well, oh i didn't I didn't care for his wife, celeste I think it was at all. I thought she was selfish and but then again, maybe that was her response to him and she of course didn't know what he was doing, and she didn't approve and when he did tell her that he saved two Jewish people, and that was all he said, she just she didn't approve at all, and she told him it was crazy, and she left him. I just, I didn't care for her at all, and I didn't care for a lot of the women in this book. Adele just couldn't relate to her, or to Celeste for that matter.
0: Um, Well, first of all, I'm just going to ask a question, but then I was hoping everybody would let off the mic because I know Ginny hasn't spoken yet, and she's been trying to get through. So after I speak, I'm just going to have her try to get through. Um, I understand what everybody's saying about the violence, um, but I have to say that I think that it's important for people to understand how terrible these situations were. And while it's not a pleasure to read these kind of descriptions, I think there's some truth in them. And I think that a lot of people maybe, you know, it's, it's many years since the Holocaust, and I think a lot of people maybe don't understand how terrifying that experience was um, for millions of people around the world. So I, it's not a pleasure to read those kind of descriptions, but I think it's important that, that people hear it um, so that they understand you know really what that's about um, and then the question that I was going to ask and then we'll all let Ginny try to get through is you know lucien he he loved design and he was sort of given an incentive to um, you know to to build these hiding places by getting a commission to do a factory and his wife thought that he was crossing the line and becoming part of you know, uh, um, a collaborator, and I thought that was a really interesting question because I don't know. Actually, I mean, he's he's building a factory, and there's a swat sticker on the factory, and it's a factory for the Germans. Um, but he's he's not really going to work for the Germans. He's really going to work for for Manet. So I think people can look at it different ways. I mean, you can look at it like he was part of collaboration that he was working against the resistance or you could just look at it like he loved architecture and he wasn't a particularly political person so I thought that was one of the more interesting ethical situations in the book so why don't we let Ginny go have a chance to talk now
1: we're not hearing you Jenny. try that again
9: Hear me now. Um, anyway, I'll just go ahead and hope someone can hear me. Um, my mic is a little off. Yeah, I very much liked the book. I had a I had a more muted response to it because I was a little preoccupied. It was um, interesting. The how I really did feel like I was transported to that time and place. And I had, books about uh, the effects of you know, being occupied are not as numerous as some of the other kinds of books. Um, I I really tried to place myself in that situation and still am not sure how I would have responded to all that fear and paranoia that was everywhere and all the deprivation. And um, I, uh, I think um, one of the things that struck me was how, the violence, I thought, was vivid and kind of necessary to get across some of the reasons why the other characters were so survival-oriented, and um, I would skip over some of it, too. I was wondering what kind of an impression this book would make on somebody who was 14 and who had never read a book like this before. Um, and it also struck me that these were some of the more complex and layered um, descriptions of nazis um i had never they seemed to have a very deep-seated anger and uh, sadism um against the jews that it it seemed so out of proportion and so crazy and it it was pretty well portrayed um i felt there was too much um design detail in the book and uh, that wore on me a little bit
1: well let's cut to the the quick here i'll keep it uh, high board i'll try you're a pianist, you're, you're a skilled Jewish pianist, and you play for Hitler or for the German, for Slegel. And if you don't, he'll kill your family. That's an ethical question, isn't it? That's easy. Or you're an attractive woman and he wants to go to bed with you. And you normally in normal times, you'd hate him, but he'll save your family. At least he gives you that promise. Those are the ethical questions that no one can just sit here and myself included and say, this is the only way to go. Those were hard questions that people had to solve unto themselves.
8: Yeah, I think you're totally right, and that's one thing I liked about this book. Is um, yeah, you have easy, easy calls like Schindler's List, where he was clearly, you know, a saint, and then you have Lucien, who isn't the most likable guy, and yeah, he helped the Germans out. But you're totally right, Bob. What are you going to do? You do your best to survive. Apparently, there were a lot of people, a lot of women who had their heads shaved after the occupation because they ran a successful restaurant that served Germans. Were they collaborators? No. They were trying to make enough money to feed their kids. And I think it's too easy for people to judge, you know, what you would do because uh, one of the things that struck me in the beginning of this book is they said a lot of French people were wearing yellow stars in uh, sympathy with the Jews that were required to wear them. And you just got to wonder how long that lasted when you started seeing just how the Germans treated people in terms of shooting people on the street and torturing people and stuff like that. It would be really hard, as much as you might want to do it, to be sympathetic. And back to the violence thing, I-, I totally agree that it's very necessary in a book like this. I Just personally, my reaction to it is, yeah, okay, I already know this and I'm going to skip it. But I do think it's important to include it just to strike home just how horrible these times were for people talking about
5: uh being a musician and play for the germans we know that many jewish people were in orchestras in the concentration camps when they were in the room Somewhere toward the end of the book, they were in the room, and the Germans knew that there was a hiding place somewhere, and they were in the apartment, and they were tearing it up and taking this out and taking that out, looking everywhere. I was right in that room. I was so afraid they were going to find the hiding place, and where was it? Well, it was behind that painting.
1: Um, of whoever is speaking, we didn't hear you. I'm sorry.
6: Let's take Bob's question a little deeper. Uh, you're right. You know, people who who did things like build buildings or or play to survive, who had to go co- to collaborate with the Germans in order to survive. What are we going to say about the informers, the people who said, "There's a Jew living next door." Uh, so that they go get them. How do we feel about those people?
8: Yeah, I have a lot less um, trouble not being judgmental about those people as much as I try not to be.
1: I pray that I would have the strength not to inform, but realizing that if they caught a Jew that I knew was hiding there, the whole building would get killed. Uh, You know, it's not easy, but I hope that I would not walk up and say, guess what, surprise, surprise. But um, because it's horrible it would be wrong and i'd live with i'd have to live with that pain all my life so but yet others say look i i don't want to be killed
5: i think that
1: maybe when
5: hatred is so pervasive as it was there that that hatred might be contagious and when you may not have started some of those germans may not have started out hating jews but When it came so pervasive and they heard it from all of the government and everything, then they just kind of caught the hatred themselves like catching the measles.
4: Getting back to the book itself, um, because we all started out not liking Lucian at all, uh, I really give the author a lot of credit for the way he developed this character because I, for one, certainly did like him uh, as as it went further and further on, and I think that really had an awful lot to do with, with the author itself. There were two things that interested me about this, because one of them, I really didn't know this. Um, when he had the confrontation with the freedom fighters, I, mean, I was really surprised, and I was surprised that he was so vocal a- about his dislike of them and what they were doing, and I would have thought he might have been afraid to be like that, but for some reason he wasn't, and that surprised me because I... I really knew nothing about that phase of, of France and, and those people. And the other thing that we didn't mention that I thought was especially interesting was when he actually did the blowing up of his own plant. I mean, think for, for an architect how difficult that must have been.
1: Absolutely it was difficult for him. You're absolutely right there. Someone was trying to speak, and let's see if we can get him here.
7: It was reminding me of Coco Chanel, who uh, consorted with the Nazis, but uh, Winston Churchill had called in after the war and, and defended her because uh, she was feeding information to the Allies. So there were some of that, but she could have been in real big big trouble because, of course, she was a famous, uh, I guess, designer and so on. Uh, but uh, I... I think there's talk about the violence that uh, we, we read now with all the mystery stories, Sanford, John Sanford, and all these pray books there's, and that's all make-believe, you know, it didn't happen where these, this story it, it, you had to have violence or you wouldn't have been, you'd be misrepresenting the whole thing, you couldn't make a comic opera out of that plot
3: uh, I, I'm curious what people thought about uh, uh, the Dieter Herzog character, because I really liked him, it was nice to have uh At least one german that 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 seemed to have his head in the right place uh, uh and I know what I assume was happening at the end wasn't wasn't that the, the the bad guy that was doing all the torture and stuff wasn't he the one that was coming up in that car when Herzog gunned him down and uh you know he he got rid of a you know a bad person there but uh, did, did I catch that right that's that 's what i was thinking i, I thought he he waited by the side of the road and, and had called a tip-in to get those guys to chase after uh, Lucien and, and then gunned them down. But uh, I, I did like him, and I, I know it was a, uh, he would have had a hard time uh, 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 doing the right thing in, in the middle of, of all those Nazis, but uh, uh, I was just curious what I thought about him.
1: You were right about the ending. Uh, Dieter had his machine gun, and when Slagle came up, He gunned him down. Uh, Dieter survived. That's the bottom line is survival. You know, he could not just stand up and denounce all the Nazis. They would have killed him. You know, he couldn't do that. But he liked Lucien also. They became truly friends. I was worried when Lucian used to go drinking with him or went to his home. I said, oh, my God, he's going to shoot his mouth off or whatever. And maybe early in the game, Dieter would have gotten him. But they became friends. And uh, Dieter survived, and he did the right thing by that family.
2: Yeah, I was really afraid too that they were gonna that Lucien was gonna spill the beans a few times, and I really ended up liking Dieter and what he did in the end. I thought was great. And when they were looking for the the Jews, and they were behind the painting, that was probably one of the most nerve-wracking parts of the book for me. I was so afraid that they were going to find them and I think I was holding my breath the whole time I was reading it because that was just such a great hiding place and I just kept thinking, oh no, don't let them find this one too.
8: (laughs) Yeah, I thought the same thing. I I kind of, when they put the people behind the chimney there, I just knew something bad was going to happen. That just seemed like there was too much risk there. And I was afraid it was the same thing with the painting. And I was really glad that it didn't happen. You really found yourself cheering for them. And did you guys, did I miss this or I thought Dieter at the end in this last search for the painting, he knew that Lucien had hidden the family and he, neither of them said anything about it openly, but I thought he, he did know.
1: Oh, I believe he knew. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. My wife and I were both in tears with that couple, that was the smoke killed them, and the reminiscing about when she was young and when he met, and he kisses her. I, it was that's more. That's just not. Somebody tried to explain to me the meaning of plausible and implausible. That's plausible. If you had your last seconds, and you were with someone you loved, you would think about the good times together. I I hope. I don't think it would be just a screaming, you know, we don't know that. I've never been in a plane crash, for example. I hope I never am. Uh, Maybe some do scream and swear at the pilot and swear at their husband or wives, maybe. But some say, let's hold each other and go out together.
3: Yeah, I think Dieter, I think think he whispered something to to Lucien after all that mess when they were searching, uh, trying to find them behind the painting. And he said something to him about that he... That he should wait before he got him out of there. He he, he had figured out uh, what was going on, and he obviously uh, w- w- was a, was one of the good guys, and uh, uh, and obviously he really liked Lucien too.
5: I agree with what
1: someone uh, said. Ladon, well, try that again, please. Whoop! Let's see if he can uh, get back in. I thought a high moment was bet Adele didn't like very much. She, uh, You know, Lucien was doing his thing with her, and so was Slagle, and it was a macho thing. But uh, Bet took those children, and when those Nazis came in, she says, oh, yes, boys, you know. And <laughs> she's in her underwear and greets them. Those guys couldn't believe what happened. And suddenly at the end, she escorts them out the door. Amazing.
5: That scene that you're talking about just then was so great. It, you you admired that woman and her courage so much and her what do you call a hutzpa, you know, to go out there and talk to those people like that, knowing those children were in that little cabinet. And I think all of this is just because of this author's ability to draw a picture and to draw us in to the scenes that he is creating.
2: Yeah, that was one woman that I really I liked, and I just that that was that was one of the best scenes in the book right there.
9: Yeah. Hi, this is Jenny. I don't know if you can hear me or not. I'm having trouble with my mic. What I thought was one of the interesting things about um, the book was just. Different levels of caring and involvement and sacrifice and selfishness, there were so many different levels of that represented, and I wonder if you can hear me. Yeah,
8: Jenny, we could hear you just perfectly. That was, yeah, and I totally agree with what you're saying, too. There were, that was very true of this book. He did a great job with these characters.
1: And another lady I loved was Pierre's, the landlady that took care of Pierre and his, was it brother? sisters and brother and even unto her death she was screaming at the Germans she wouldn't give an inch and they shot her you know but what what courage you know as she got caught they got her and she just spit in their face
8: yeah she was great what did you guys think of Pierre killing and I forget his name was it Alain um the guy that was working um for Lucienne as an architect that was kind of shocking, although it didn't seem unrealistic to me that Pierre would do that. But they just seemed to have that happen, and then it wasn't brought up again. And I never really knew if Lucien knew that Pierre was the one that did that or not.
3: Yeah, Alain was uh, was the guy he killed. And, I mean... It was maybe a little far-fetched, but uh, I mean, if anybody needed killing, Alan needed killing, and, and and I was glad that uh, the boy did it because he was about to to blow the whole thing. He was, you know, nosing around and up to no good, and you know, he was, you know, he had that uncle that w- that worked for the Gestapo. So, uh, uh, the, I was kind of surprised. I, I I wasn't expecting expecting him to uh, to kill him, but uh, I figured he was going to like. What I thought he was going to do he was going to tell Lucien that he was the, that the guy Alain had been following him and and make him wise to him. But no, he, he he took a little more drastic action.
1: I think it was not so far fetched if you get realize that Pierre is a survivor. He had seen people that he loved shot. He had seen all that. He had followed Alain. This wasn't just one thing. And Alain was on the phone to his uncle to squeal on Lucien. Go get him. And Pierre loved Lucien, and when he came out of that, he heard him talking. He came out of that booth, and he cut his gizzard. I loved it. I cheered wildly. Alain was terrible, but they had to they had to get uh, This little boy was always in the shadows watching this guy, and he was, he was quite a guy.
6: Another admirable character, I think, is the, the priest and how defiant he was when the Nazis finally got him. Message
0: boxed. Um, I, I wanted to just mention a couple of things that people were talking about earlier. Um, I listened to. I listened to, a, I listened, to a I listened to a podcast. I listened to a podcast with the author, um, and he talked about some of the questions that you all had mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, with regard to um, Adele, I'm sure you, you many of you realize that she was based on Coco Chanel. And with regard to what Jill was saying about the freedom fighters, that was really what he was trying to show was what happened with the resistance. That a lot of times with the resistance, he, the author felt that they caused more harm than good because they would, you know, do something. They would. Do something a small act, and then a thousand people would would be hurt, and whatever
1: um. and you're I think the author's absolutely right, yeah, look good, sure, you blow up something, and then they go and kill a thousand or kill a, a village, wipe them out uh, and But you know the resistance scorned Lucien at first, they always ready to kill him, you know till he proved himself by blowing up the factory, but uh, he was not a that's the problem he it's his struggle. Am I going to be a uh, collaborationist or whatever? Or am I going to just be cool? Am I just going to make these hiding places for day and go away, you know, hide? Yes. And uh, Because they hated him, as I recall.
8: And it's not like he could just tell them, well, I'm doing this, so I'm not really such a bad guy after all, because he didn't know who he could trust. And, Michelle, um, could you also, um, when you heard this, you, you mentioned that the author said something about how he came up with these hiding places, and I thought that was interesting, too.
0: Yes, and also with regard to the character of Herzog, he said that he had read somewhere that um, one of there was a diary by a German soldier where he was talking about how terrible it was that they were just rounding up Jewish people and and how he really felt horrible about that. So he was trying to get that perspective through the character of Herzog and. I think Don probably could talk about this more than than I could because he knows probably knows more about this, but um, because he knows so much about history. But we were all wondering was the, was the Lucienne actually based on an actual architect? And what the author said was that he actually based the idea of an architect finding hiding places um, upon um, England during the reign of Elizabeth the first, that Catholics were not, Catholic priests were not allowed to give mass at the time, so they used to go to manor houses in the country, and if the Queen's soldiers would come and and try to find them and, and, you know, catch them in the act of giving mass, that they had secret hiding places in the house, so the Queen's soldiers would come, but they would never catch them. So that was actually how he based it on And the other thing that I just wanted to mention, and we'd like to get everybody's opinion about this, is um, in January, we're not done with the discussion, but I'm just going to throw this out here before I get kicked out of the room again. Um, In January, we're going to be having an author come. And um, she's actually talking about her her most recent book now. She's going around the country. Her name is Allison Richmond. She's written a whole bunch of books, um, but only one of them is on board. And her most recent book is available on both Bookshare and Audible. And Sherry and I were wondering how you all felt about doing a book that was not available on board. I, I know many of you have access to bookshare but not everybody and i don't want people who don't have bookshare to feel like they have to use one of their credits to you know cuz they're expensive so towards the end of the hour if you just wanted to weigh in on on that question that would be something for us to consider as well
5: i think that we would all agree that this is a multifaceted book no one in the books is exactly good or bad well one or two might be just be bad. But for the most part, it, the book was drawn so well. And uh, like I said, with multi-facets, it's just like people we know next door, they're not good and bad are bad. They're one or the other, are both at the same time. And I don't have Bookshare. It seems to be too expensive. I stay with Bard.
9: Yeah, hi, this is Jenny. I'm just chiming in. I'm still having trouble. Um, you know, after hours of tech help, I can't figure out why I can't download the downloads. Hang up on my Bookshare. So that's my experience of it.
1: So it would be Bookshare and Audible. See, I have those, but I'm worried that it, that's going to cut out a lot of people.
0: Well, that's good. I, I, I we wanted to get sort of a consensus, and and we're actually getting a consensus. Um, so that that's actually fine. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anything that we didn't cover. That we it seems like we covered a lot of a lot of the things. Um, I guess you know. I, I guess one of the things that's so interesting to me is just comparing it to nowadays. Um, you know, it was a little bit different then. There wasn't so much intermarriage, I think, between Jewish people and people who were Christian or other uh, religions. And nowadays, there's there's so much intermarriage. So I, I, you know, I guess one of the things that was interesting to me was just thinking about if you were a Christian person married to a Jewish person at that time, what would you have done? And they showed that, you know, in the book as well. So, I mean, I, I, I was glad that I read it. Um, I think it was, for me personally, it was upsetting in certain ways, but I think it was, if I took the emotions out of it and looked at it sort of in, in an intellectual way, um, I think he covered a, a lot of ground, and I think he, he made people... I think think about the different ethical issues, as we've all said, you know, relating to this particular time and place.
8: Yeah, that was really heart-wrenching when uh, Juliet's husband left her because she was Jewish and he was, uh, oh, my gosh, that was horrible. One thing I wanted to mention before we ended, too, was that um, I just saw an author on book TV who's written a book, and I was going to write it down, and of course I've forgotten the title, but it's something like Paris After Dark or Paris During Dark or something, and it's about Paris during the occupation. And it's really a nonfiction uh, book that's exactly, you know, this book in nonfiction form. So I'm anxiously looking for it on to show up on Bard because the author was really interesting, and his book is largely anecdotal about things that happened to people and how people coped and different things like that. It sounded like it was really good.
1: One question came up earlier. Why didn't Roosevelt, Don, you might help here, do anything? Well, (laughs) he had to deal with it. I'm not excusing him, but he had to deal with the German government. And Roosevelt had a lot of anti-Semites in his cabinet and around him. That's not an excuse. Eleanor picked up on it. She saw the issue. But uh, Roosevelt was hesitant to move on it. And it's too bad.
8: Yeah, I don't. I'm not trying to excuse him either, but I'm not sure exactly what he could have done other than win the war, which is what he focused on. And he had trouble getting involved earlier because of all the isolationists in the country. It was kind of touchy as to how far he could go, but you would think there's something else he could have done. But it's not like he could bomb the concentration camps. I, I don't know that that would have helped. I don't know. That's It's a tough one.
7: Well, remember, uh, Roosevelt's one of his best friends or better. Of course, he treated dropped his friends when he wasn't he made secretary a treasurer I forgot can't think of the guy, he wasn't qualified but he held us and he only asked him once and that was over Israel and he made an exception then but when you had that deal with a ship they wouldn't let the ship land and all the people ended up in concentration camps so it was It was pretty bad then and uh, people knew, they knew about Auschwitz too and they didn't bomb it so I, I don't know
4: yeah, and couldn't couldn't they have let some people into the country when they were trying to find other places to live and they didn't?
1: Yeah, it was. It's very difficult. It's a diplomatic thing, even though there's war, you know. And the nation, you wonder how, to what extent America would have supported. I'm not going to say we're all anti-Semitic, but it was. You know, uh, the only way is to defeat Germany. And um, then the death camps were opened. Morgan Morgenthau, you might be thinking of Don, um, but he. Uh, there were other under secretaries and stuff who were at, definitely anti-Semitic, and uh, around him. That's that's not excusing him. I don't know the all the. Oh, one more thing I want to say: Jewish leaders did approach Roosevelt, though. Various rabbis said, "You've got to do something," and they screamed at him. They they did fight as much as they could, but he kept saying, "No, no, the time's not right." And uh, there you go.
8: Yeah, I forgot about that ship. There's really no excuse for not letting refugees in. That that is just inexcusable.
3: Yeah, if you go back and look at World War II and the Holocaust and everything, you don't have to look very hard to find a lot of blame to spread. Because I mean, you know, whether it's the Catholic Church or or whoever, it just it's just unreal what society allowed to happen to to six million people. It's just uh, uh, you know, there's just not much you can say about it. Uh, There is a book called Paris After Dark by Jordan Summers. Uh, Sherry, I just Googled it and stuff, so I don't know if that's the one you're talking about or not.
5: Yes, I almost forgot what I was going to say. Oh, before the hour is up, I just thought if you like this book, you might try City of Women. That is another book that gets you asking, what would you do? And uh, I agree with most of the other things have been said said about this book. The there is more anti-Semitism that I can't have to say that word. It's easy for me, but uh, in the in the world than we know.
8: Uh, that's not the author I'm thinking of, um, Alan. The author is Rick, like Wrath Bottom or something like that. But it, it's yeah, it's a similar title. I'll just have to hope it shows up on Bard soon. Before we start losing people, I did want to mention the next book, um, and that will be on um, November 11th, Tuesday. And it's another historical fiction book. It's called Pearl of China, and it's about um, Pearl S. Buck's life in China. What the author has done is create a fictional best friend of Pearl, so she can narrate Pearl's whole life in China, and it's from her childhood all the way through her adulthood. But it's only a 10-hour book, so it's not really long. It's really good. Um, it, it goes into a lot of detail about what was going on in China historically as well as just Pearl's life there and how she reacted to everything. The author is Anchi, which is A-N-C-H-E-E, and the last name is M-I-N. And the DB number is... uh Let's see, 73254. And I put this up in the chat window, so if you want to copy and paste, it's just F9 to go to the chat window, and you'll see what I wrote there. But, again, the title is Pearl of China.
1: And a a quick commercial before I forget. On the 13th of November, Fall Classics, that's the DB review list, we will be in the Book Nook room at 830 to review the adventures of Huckleberry Finn and John Polk who is reading it so well, uh, will be with us to help us in the discussion. Thank you.
0: Okay, so let me just ask everybody one more question. Um, we have this author coming in January. Again, her name is Allison Richmond. And one other time we had a, a situation where we read two books. Now, you don't have to read both books. You can just read one book. You could read no books. One she, one of her books is available on BARD. It's actually her first book. Um, I've read it already, and I read it a while ago. And then her most recent book, as I said, is available on Bookshare and Audible. How does everybody feel about Sherry and I each doing one of the books and asking her a few questions, and then at the end, everybody can ask her whatever they want to ask her? Do you all feel, or would you rather me just pick,
1: Whoop. Try, uh, try you, you didn't finish Michelle would you rather do what
0: or would everybody be more comfortable just having us all read the book on Bard and the only reason why I'm mentioning this other book is she's actually on a book tour now and she's going around the country talking about her most recent book so I'd like to be able to ask her a few questions about that book actually Sherry was going to I was going to take the Bard book but what does everybody think about doing two books? I mean, because, you know, we want everybody to feel comfortable with the experience. So, and, and again, I don't want, I, I know Jenny, Jenny mentions that, she, I know some people don't have Bookshare, some people have trouble downloading book from Bookshare. Audible, I used to have Audible, I don't anymore. I know how expensive the books are. So I don't want to force anybody, you know, we, we want to give them an alternative on BARD, but I want to make sure is everybody comfortable if we talk about two books or would you rather we just stick with the Bard book? What does everybody think?
1: I think you should take one book and Sherry should take the other. I think your interviews with the author are terrific and then give us the last 20 minutes. I, I would read the audible book. I, I don't know which one is better. I hope you make a recommendation, but I gather Audible's the new book and I probably would read that. Um, and uh, we can ask questions. I think your interviews are really good, and yet you give the audience a chance later to ask questions. And uh, so each one of you should take a book because she is on a tour, and she is going to be present. And if you guys can handle that, I personally think that's the way it should be done.
9: Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with what you said, Bob. Just it's, it's ditto. <laughs>
4: I'd be happy to read the book on Audible or Bookshare, wherever it is, if you give us the name.
6: I don't have Audible or Bookshare, but have you checked the NLS catalog to see if that book is possibly in process? Maybe by December or early January we might have it.
2: I could probably read either one because I can get Audible through iTunes as well. A lot of those books are Audible books, so I might be able to do either one. But I like the idea of you two each doing a book and interviewing the author. I think that'd be that'd be really neat.
8: Great. Sounds like we have a deal then. We'll list two books when we have our December meeting, and people can choose which one they want to read based on where it is or which annotation they like better. And, yeah, John, I'm, I'm hoping it'll show up on Bard by the time we get there too, but um, I haven't seen it. I, I haven't checked to see if it's in progress. I didn't think about that, but that would be great.
9: Uh, this is Jenny again. I'm sorry, I forgot. Did you say that one of the uh, one of the Richmond books was already on L- NLS? Because that's the one I would start reading now.
2: Just before we go, before we wrap it up, I just want to put a plug in, remind everybody that Friday night at 9 here in the Book Nook Room, we have novel ideas, and we'll be discussing... Orphan Train by Christina Baker Klein.
1: and yes, Jenny, one book is on Bard. So if your guy and Ladon said he can read Bard, and uh, so forth, I don't know the the book, but I'm sure they'll tell us when they write up the newswire and so forth.
0: Yes, I'm going to echo what Randy said. I read uh, Orphan Train. It's a very, very good book. It's a short book, so if you if you haven't read it yet, you can certainly get. You know, if not the whole book, you can get a lot of the book done. So I would I would second her recommendation for Friday evening novel ideas at nine o'clock to discuss *Orphan Train*, which is a very good book, a very popular book. Um, this author, her name is Allison Richmond. We're going to be having her in January, which is a couple of months away. The book that's on Bookshare is her first book called *The mass Carver's Son*, and the book that is available on both Bookshare and Audible. That is, her current book is called um, Garden of Letters, um, which I believe is a World War II story as well. Um, And also, well, I I don't want to say exactly because I haven't read it yet, Um, but it is available on both Bookshare and Audible. In fact, all of her books recently became available on Bookshare, which I was glad, and if I have time, I'm going to try to read. I read The Masked Carver's Son, and I think she's written five novels, and I'm going to try to read at least a few of them before she comes, um, in, which is January. So it's a long way off. We still have November and December. Thank you, everybody, for coming also. It was, I'm so thrilled with the turnout, and I'm glad that everybody, you know, enjoyed the book and, and, and had a lot to say about it. It's, it's really, it's, it's been great. So thank you,
8: everybody.